welcome back to the Face Off Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson, and we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to uh, another episode. We always appreciate it when you guys tune in. And as usual, we are sponsored by Rube's Brews. You can check them out on Instagram and or Facebook. I think they have some new things coming out. You should uh, check them out. Uh, anyway, big show today. We are up here at the McKinney Star Center uh, chatting with and I like to give a little preface about, you know, sometimes it kind of adds to where, you know, I've been trying to get a hold of this guy for a while. He's been somebody that, uh, with me getting to meet so many people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, this is another one of those people that's been suggested to me many times. Um, I finally was able to track him down. We've been chatting for uh, probably a month, month and a half about making this happen, and we finally found a time to do it. Um, I think between his schedule and my schedule, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of free time, but uh, that's what makes this so special is that we finally have time to get together. Um, but I am joined here today by the uh, skating instructor of the Dallas Stars, Luke Chilcott. Luke, thank you so much for finally uh, making it on the show. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, Luke, so there's a thing, and uh, I know that you probably haven't listened to uh uh, any of the the episodes that we've had out, had out before, but um, I'm a huge uh, uh, proponent uh, and fan of, of skating and and edge work, and that being the the base of of what every hockey player should should be working on, you know, kind of nonstop. So I've I've, I've talked about it quite a bit on the show before, but I've never had somebody. Um, let's put it this way, and I'm going to be humble. I consider myself to be a good skater. I don't find it often that I'm talking to somebody that I think is a lot better at it than me. So I'm very excited about this opportunity to uh, learn some stuff about you, but then maybe learn some stuff and uh, steal some stuff from you. Because I think that's all what uh, good coaches do is they they find out what they need to steal. So I'm, I'm essentially just trying to get as much information out of you as possible and uh, steal what I can. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I find it funny because I've skated my whole life and even through all of the exercises and drills that I've done, mm-hmm. I've uh, never really been to a rink and seen someone doing something that I've never seen before. Right. Right. And so if I'm doing those same exercises or kind of variations of that exercise, yeah. the root of that skating technique is not mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So when, when people are always very protective of drills and things, it's kind of like, let's just go ahead and share information as much as you can. Right. Because... Uh, maybe something we'll get into talking about in a minute, but I find that even when I'm teaching players, I'm not teaching them anything they haven't done before. Mm -hmm. It might just be that I'm doing it in a way that makes it a little less intimidating. Yes. Or um, I may use an explanation that they pick up quicker. Right, yeah, yeah. It might relate to something they already already do better. Yeah. And so, therefore, they pick it up quicker, and I just think that's coaching. (laughs) Well, and and so one of the the things, too, that I I think is a lot of fun, because I feel like I've been coaching a while. If I was to take a guess, I think I'd probably say I was in my seventh or eighth year. Um, But I can can say that um, on the skill side of things, not necessarily team coaching, but on the skill side of things, if I'm giving a, a lesson, it's almost like having to learn how to teach something that you kind of picked up uh, naturally at a certain point. I think sometimes we take for granted what we know and how we learned it because there's a lot of things that I know, but then I have to learn how to teach. It's one of those things to where just because you can do doesn't mean that you can teach. And it's almost like you're trying to, and I don't know if you do this, but there's times where I'm setting up a drill and I really have to take like a self-inventory of like, where my weight is or how I'm balanced or uh, things that I wouldn't necessarily like take into account 
Um, but then that kind of helps you like master your craft um, because you're breaking down something that you already know how to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, that's 100% correct, which is um, probably something I've noticed later in my coaching career. In the beginning, I didn't realize I was even doing it, yep. but I would start to do a, a skating technique or a skating element and then realize that I needed to self-analyze better. Yep. Because to me, I... I started skating when I was 18 months old, you know, mm -hmm. both my parents coach. Um, and so when they first got me on the ice, I mean, so long ago, I couldn't even remember the yeah. sensation of being on ice. I really only know what it's like to skate on ice. Yeah. I'm pretty uh, proficiently at that, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. So when I was teaching in the beginning, like even learn to skate classes, you know, I'd be working with adult hockey players mm -hmm. and they would want to know, you know, how to transition forward mm -hmm. to backwards, something real simple. And yeah. For me, I would even do a pretty advanced kind of mohawk transition. And right. so they would look at me and say, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. So I would have to then break it back down to almost sliding your hips through the turn. Uh -huh, yeah. And that's kind of level one, you uh -huh. know, and so level two might be, we're still going to keep that hip turn, but now we're going to put our heels together right. and replace one foot with the other one. And now you've got to transition from like edge to edge. Right. So it's kind of funny like that where in the beginning I would do and expect people to see and visually learn that and yeah. then realize that just the technique itself was way more advanced. And so now I got to go back to one, two, three. Well, but, but here's the other thing too. And I, I think it's cool that you brought this up, but there, there's a point where you are having to go back and kind of teach something that you don't normally personally do because you're so far advanced, but it's almost like a good coach and a good instructor can teach you how to do something that is a, maybe step one. Right, it, but but like in your normal, if you were to go go out there and skate a hundred times, there might not be a chance that you personally practice that step one because you're you're too far advanced. But it's almost like being able to go back in a toolbox and being like, oh, you need something really basic instead in, instead of just having that uh, level three mentality of like, no, you just have to learn how to get to level three. Right, like t teaching somebody how to do a level one thing is not the easiest thing in the world. Oh, it's it's so true. Right. Even even. You know, some of my players will joke and they'll tell you, I've told them this, but some of the things I might tell my, you know, 2009s, yep. uh, some of the same things I'm telling pro guys, yep. you know, because mm -hmm. some of them uh, have made the NHL because they're just incredibly talented. Yep. And some of them have made the NHL because they're great skaters already uh -huh. and they can relate to what I'm saying. But yep. that guy who's an incredible talent out of like the Czech Republic, say, yeah he probably didn't have somebody that's been doing summer schools and skating skills. Yep. He's just there because he's an incredible hockey IQ, probably uh -huh. has an above average shooting for the NHL. Yeah. And now here I am teaching him like a jab stop. Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. I've never had to do this. I'm 6'3", you know, 225. But, yeah. But do, do you ever, do you ever see these players? Cause I feel like I see them all the time and they, it's almost like they have everything. It's like, they have like, kind of like the God given size and, and speed or whatever, but they're just lacking their skating. And there's there's players in the NHL that are all stars that are not necessarily considered to be great skaters. And like you said, they've kind of gotten there by all the other elements of their game. But I'm looking at them, I'm like, man, if they could like skate and if they could like wheel a little bit and use their edges, like these this guy would be unstoppable. But it's one of those things to where I I feel like the game is kind of shifting in a way to where you almost have to be a really good skater now. And I don't feel like that always used to be the case. No, that's very true. I'm, some of the work that I did in the past has been scouting. Mm -hmm. And so some of the scouting reports I'd put together would be highlighting a guy's strength and a weakness. And then you have to realize, like you said, 
it might be that his size is incredible and his shooting ability is lights out. Right. So now it's a case of, you know, thanks for all of your input, Luke, but we're going to take him anyway. Right, yeah, yeah. And then it, the problem becomes, you know, does he want to work on that skating? Right, yeah. And that's always interesting too. And, and sometimes you get a, a rare crossover of what you just said. You get a guy who wants to work on that yeah. post-draft once he's in with his club. And those are the those are the true pros that stick around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know that even, you know, people, like they say Crosby, you know, still works on his edges every day um, and all that stuff. But I do think it's interesting when you start to talk about um, skating, because I always think it's one of those things to where I think it's something out of all the skill sets that any player might have. I think it's one of the harder things to kind of uh, adapt to later. Like I almost have a theory and you might uh, disagree. And if, if so, please tell me so that we can have a discussion on this. But I almost feel like once you kind of get locked into a, a skating style or a certain stride, it's harder to break that because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. Certain things like your forward stride. Yeah. Once you get to a certain level, the way I coach, obviously with my youth hockey players, I'm teaching them the, the fundamentals of forward stride. Mm -hmm. And so we cover a lot of that and we go over it week to week. If I have a player that's already playing maybe junior hockey, I'm going to lean a little more towards, you know, like 60-40, where I'm only going to work on their strength and how they use their body currently mm -hmm. in yeah. their forward stride. And... You know, the forty percent might be let's try and cover some technique, right? Yeah. You know, so I will. I might get him on the ice with uh, some of the some of the equipment I use, the resistance bands, the yeah. three strap. And so now we're going to try and get you to use your kinematic sequence better than you have been using it in the past. Right. So I've not really taught you any new stride technique. Right. Just simply taught you how to maybe generate more power through that transfer of energy from the ice through your body right right um luke and i i love this conversation but I, I i can't let you off by not starting the show off the way that everybody starts the show and we will get back into this good conversation but i, I feel <laughs> like um you, you kind of made like a easy transition for me and i just didn't take it but i want to go back to because you said that your parents were involved in skating i want to get back into and it's kind of funny because you're like it was so long ago i can't really remember but i'm going to ask you to remember as much as you can can you kind of talk about before you stepped onto the ice, your introduction into skating and, and being on the ice? And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, make an assumption that it had something to do with your parents, which uh, most of the time is kind of the case. But can you kind of talk about uh, your beginnings, if you will? Absolutely. So in the beginning, my parents obviously they both of them are on the ice. That's their main profession. That's uh, all they do. And so back in the the southeast of England. Uh, I started off on the ice because my parents were at the rink so much that I eventually wanted to be at the rink as well. Right. And so uh, early on at 18 months, uh, I would have some of their students just take me out on the ice for fun. So I would start off with those double runners, you know, the little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. the, strap yeah. them around yeah. your shoes, basically. Mm -hmm. And then I had some reins so kids could hold me up. Right. And they would love it. They would take me around the ice. It was kind of fun for them. Yeah. And that was really my first experience on the ice. Mm -hmm. and by saying that, I mean, I've seen pictures of people right, yeah, yeah, yeah. carrying what, me around yeah, the yeah, ice. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't you, remember You, you know that to be the truth for people told you that that's what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Photo evidence leads to the <laughs> yeah. fact that that's yeah, how yeah, I yeah. got my start. Yeah. So, and then from there, it really turned into just going and skating at the rink for fun. So I would go and skate for, you know, an hour just, and I, I use skating loosely. You know, mm -hmm. when I was younger, I would just potter around the ice and Right. And my parents would be doing their lessons. I seem to be having fun, staying out of people's way. Yeah. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, they would teach on the, well, 
most like, listeners will know as freestyle ice, where freestyle skaters practice. Yep. And then I would go out on public in my hockey skate. Mm-hmm. So I would do a little bit of figure skating and then I'd go and skate around on public. Um, and I never really, for as long as I can remember, I can't tell you the difference between the two. <laughs> I, uh, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just so second nature to me to be able yeah. to switch skates and go for a skate. Yeah. Um, so I would skate around on those public skates and, you know, as things progressed, um, I played a little bit of hockey. I figure skated. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the UK, what was funny was we didn't have a, a big travel hockey program, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. probably no surprise right, to most yeah. listeners, uh, at least in the hockey world. Mm-hmm. The hockey's not huge, but we'd, we'd do a, an, a good effort to try and get more people into hockey. Yeah, yeah. So um, I played some travel hockey, but I just wasn't getting a lot of ice time. But mm-hmm. in the, on the other side of that coin, the flip side, right, I was doing figure skating events and having success yeah you know so even as a little kid you know six seven eight i was going to competitions and winning and people would be like you know he's very talented my parents would keep me in both so then uh, you know the hockey just gave way to the figure skating kind of yeah organically i was enjoying it more yeah still love skating around in my hockey skates um what's funny too is my dad back in the day uh, our local team was called the Medway Bears mm-hmm. and they played at that during the ice ball which is where i grew up like that's where i started off and he would teach a lot of the youth hockey players on public skate. Yeah. You know, a lot of parents would say, hey, you know, he's, he loves hockey, but he needs to skate better. And yeah. So I think I need to go see, you know, Tim, you know, mm-hmm. my dad. And uh, my mom never really worked too much with hockey players. She, right. she loved the ice dance side of it. So she's the purist in that sense. But yeah. my dad was like, let's try and help these kids out. You know, I mean, it'd be great fun to work with some of the hockey boys. And yeah. They were super appreciative. Yeah. Uh, Going back now and thinking about that, I never even thought that would be where I, the, right, you yeah, know, yeah. I didn't think that would be the sector I'm in eventually. Right. Now, mm-hmm. now here I am. But so, you know, figure skated all the way up, um, up until well, at 15, we moved to the States. Yeah. Okay. And that was mainly because I made our national team in England. I was on team GB. Yeah. Um, and there's a gentleman here that first moved here. I couldn't even tell you when he moved here now, but it was a long time ago, uh, Pierre Padai, and he was one of the people that started coaching figure skating and started a figure skating club out of the Plano ice rink, yes. which used to be icebound. Uh-huh. Um, and he was a past student of my mom. Mm-hmm. So he had seen my name come up a couple of times and said, I think Luke needs a better rink to train in. You know, yeah. like you're going to need more ice time and different facilities. So at the time, all of England had three double sheet facilities. That was it. Yeah. So it was either go up to uh, Nottingham, there was another one in Coventry, and um, man, the third one's almost escaping me now, but it, those were the two main rinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Sheffield actually then became one of the hubs for the national championships, and I competed there many years. Yeah. But um, it was either leave where we were in the southeast and move to Nottingham because they would want to, the national team would monitor your progression. Yeah. Or it was move somewhere else. And so, cost of living at the time, 2004. In Frisco, Texas, you know, like <laughs> yeah. cost of living was great. You, yeah. you could kind of train as much as you wanted. Yeah. My parents coached a lot. Um, skating is a little more competitive stateside as with most U.S. sports. Uh, there's a little more, it's because it's cost efficient in a way. Yeah. You know, it's quite expensive to travel around England trying to find ice and yeah. then, you know, paying for ice in, in the pound. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the dollar well, back then was a little bit. Well, more efficient well and, and i think one thing that we need to kind of because uh, you know there's a lot of uh, hockey parents and hockey people listen to this but if you want to talk about you know uh, uh, figure skating and and this is a little outside my realm but uh, i'm a rink guy so i feel like i kind of understand this 
but the if you're being competitive, you're out on the ice. How many hours a day would you say you're out on the ice? If you're really, really, I mean, you're representing your country, you're really, really pushing it. How many days or how many hours a, a day would you say on average you're out on the ice? Uh, it's at least three and a half. Three and a half. So you're you're and but you're paying for that ice time. You're paying yeah. for the instruction. You are. It is an expensive, expensive sport. Right. I mean, I this is where I was extremely fortunate. Obviously, having two parents that coach. Right. A yep. lot of the time, my parents' rental fees meant that I could skate for free. Right. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. So yep. that was huge for me. Uh, obviously, not the case for everyone. Right. Pretty much everyone I skated and trained with, not the case until you get some sort of national sponsorship. You right. Know? Yeah. Huh. Which is yeah, normally, yeah. I mean... Not as fancy as even the word sponsorship, right? You get like a grant. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Right, some uh, food money. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, hey, if we yeah. cut some of your ice time down, it's yeah. going to leave some money in the bank for you, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much the only break you get. But yeah, it's expensive. And, um, you know, something that the new hockey skates are just becoming this way now is you buy the boot and then you have to buy your steel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, always yeah. been the way in the figure skating. Uh -huh. You buy your boots and then you have to go buy your blades. Yep. And that's all separate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's uproar in the hockey world right now because, you know, Bow is kind of moving towards buying the boot and then you got to go get your steel second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then there's all these other options. Now you have like this flare steel and you have all these other, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I feel like nobody even uh, keeps the stock steel anymore. Like everybody's right. trying to uh, kind of do, do their own things here. But uh, I do have to mention here because I, I had never seen you skate, assume that you were a good skater, but. I, I didn't also know that uh, you played hockey growing up, but kind of, I watched your, your lesson before, uh, I showed up a little bit early, I do this sometimes, if I know somebody's going to be out on the ice, but watch, watched uh, Luke's, Luke's lesson there, and uh, turns out you're a good hockey player too, so it didn't actually surprise me that you did both uh, while you were growing up. Yeah, well, I, it's funny too, because I didn't really stick handle in the garage, yeah. or I didn't do a lot of the shooting in the mini nets, you yeah. know, and all of this sort of thing that you hear from most kids during their developmental phase. Yeah. But um, the muscle memory, I guess, was kind of there. Yeah. And even when I first started coaching, I mean, like, stick handling was terrible. Mm -hmm. Shooting was terrible. Um, but I kind of felt like I owed it to some of the players to at least be able to train them in their field. Right, yeah. So okay. if I was training some players on the ice and they wanted to take three strides and catch a pass and shoot it, right. I better be able to do that. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. it's kind of like how I treated that. I wasn't just you've come out to my skating lesson, so you're only going to skate. Right. It was kind of like, you've come out to my lesson, but I feel like while we're on the ice, let's try yeah. and get you some shooting reps, try and do yeah. something. So again, my lessons, they, they joke because my lessons are mainly skating. Right. It's all skating, but I'll have them do reps with their skating. And then on the way back in, I'll throw him a cookie. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but here, here's the thing too, though, is because like, uh, well, at least what I was seeing you doing, they were doing these skating things, but you were still hitting them on the tape with your passes, which I feel like is very important. And, and uh, I'm describing these uh, these players as being more elite uh, players, fast players or whatever. You hit them in stride each time. And I feel like if you can teach them how to skate as well as uh, you were skating out there and you can hit them in stride, I think you, uh, you got something going there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And especially you get some respect for some of the hockey guys. Oh, yeah. Because uh -huh. yeah. they're like, hey, I don't want him going out to a, a skating lesson and learning bad habits for uh -huh. sticking yeah. puck skills, right? So if I'm, you know, snapping some hard passes and then yeah. having to catch them in stride, it feels like you're getting more of a well-rounded experience. How about how many times, because uh, just a little bit of background, um, uh, my father was my coach growing up. Uh, he was very, um, I consider him to be a good skater as well. Um, but when I was growing up, he had me do Saturday morning power skating with figure skaters. Um, I can remember the first time, like I kind of was already humbled because I knew, uh, the figure skating, the head figure skating instructor at our hometown rink. 
um, I already knew her and I knew that she was a good skater and I knew that it was going to be a workout. But what happened is I, w- I would start to bring my buddies to these things and they wouldn't be humbled until about, I'd say, 10 to 15. Uh, well, sometimes earlier than that, but it would take them a little bit to be humbled. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, yes, like this is what it is. This is a whole thing. And this was a while ago before I feel like it got more um, commonplace. But how many times do you take somebody and do you see them humbled at a certain point? Because I, I think that hockey players and I'm, I'm a hockey player, but I think sometimes our pride can kind of get in our way a little bit. But do you ever see it where you just have a, a skater that's maybe a little bit too prideful and you just have to uh, have a skating drill that just pushes their limits that they just can't do and all of a sudden they're all ears? Uh, do, do you know the scenario I'm talking about? I, yeah, I get it for sure. It I've mainly it. happens at the youth level. Yeah. Because uh, what more... What happens more often than not at the pro level is if you kind of encroach on a guy's confidence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a high-end player. Yeah, he will, you know, disappear. Right. You know, he'll, yeah. he'll forget what you're saying, right. or he'll he'll try and deflect a lot of that criticism. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know he's made it there, and, uh-huh. and so I don't need you telling me mm-hmm. that I'm not a good skater. You know, right. I've only made it here through confidence. You know, right. Work and, ethic. And, be, and being one of the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. having great work <laughs> ethic. You know, and, and getting the reps. And so yeah. at the youth level, it is always funny where uh, you know we might do some some edge work, and, yeah. and that edge work will increasingly get faster. Yeah. And eventually, if you can't trust your edges or hold that edge, you'll blow a tire. Right. Yep. And um, and if you do it at that same speed each time, like once we get to the, one of the third or fourth progressions of that inside edge drill, let's say as an example. Right. Yeah. Um, if they can't do it, and the rest of the group's doing it. Then they've got that feeling of, well, right. I may be the best goal scorer on my team, but right. I can't do these skating drills. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a good moment to witness because some guys either get upset about it and they don't want to do it anymore. And, right. And then some guys are like, if I'm going to progress in the sport, this is something I need to dedicate time to and training to. Yeah, yeah. So I- that's that's kind of the interesting part about training on the youth side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do have to ask you, and this this is just kind of a one-off question, but um, I usually run a drill. That's just It's kind of a, a very simple skating drill, but I almost like have them blow the tire on purpose. So I'll just have them hit like an inside or outside edge and just lean over as far as they can, as slowly as they can until they just finally blow the tire. Yeah. So it, it, like it's almost just like allowing them to realize like how much further they can kind of continue to go. Yeah. It's almost like if you if you tell them to stay up and not blow the tire, then they never actually like reach a certain point that they could possibly get to because they didn't want to fall. If that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Well, I'm as you were saying that I was thinking of a story I'd heard on uh, you know that uh, a show on Netflix, that David Letterman show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah next yeah. guest needs no introduction and yep. Lewis Hamilton was on there. And I, I'm not just watching his episode because he's British. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's I was incredible. About to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he had a funny story in there where he, his dad basically told him to just, like, late break. You know what I mean? you got to outbreak these kids. If you're going to overtake somebody, yep. you're going to have to break later than them and get into the corner. And, and Lewis kind of describes, you know, going way off the track or, like, late breaking and locking up and hitting other kids. And and then eventually started to figure out the happy medium of I can late break, but I can also make these turns. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, then he started to overtake all these kids, right? So right. there is something to be said for jumping into the deep end and just maxing out, maxing it out, and yeah. understanding what's too much for you, right? And if I keep doing that, then maybe I keep pushing that boundary, right? So you learn what your maximum is, and um, a bit like other forms of training, the higher sometimes if you can keep pushing the ceiling, yeah, you almost bring the floor with you. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah, yeah. You have a new yeah. floor, and so you only ever skate as slow as as that floor 
has has been now been set through hard work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's but it's but but, but, it, but it's almost like and and I hope I'm describing this right. But you're essentially just leaning in and getting heavier and heavier, you know, onto that inside or outside edge. I usually just do it with inside edges. Um, but it's one of those things to where I feel like they're only gonna feel that point of break if they break. You know, Correct. like like if, if if you cause them to only get close enough to where they're comfortable, they're not actually going to ever. Uh, extend to their their full maximum. So it's almost like I'm having them hit their max. It res- it results in a fall or a, a you know blown tire, if you will, mm-hmm. almost each time, which is what I'm trying to get them to do. But mm-hmm. at least there is a moment within that fall if they do it properly, because you can do this wrong. But there's a moment there where they're like, oh, like I could have stayed up right here at this point. Yeah, and I mean that maybe this is coming from more of the work I've done on the the pro side now and then i bring it back to some of the youth hockey players but some of it bleeds into their strength and conditioning yes so with the forces that are kind of at play when you're really pulling on your edges as hard as you can if you don't have a muscular frame that's going to be able to stand up to those forces and yep keep that you know like obviously your tibia should be a a correct line through your blade Mm -hmm. if you're not strong enough to pressure into a deep skating position and hold all of those positions yeah you're not going to have strength on your edges. Right. And so some of that helps me then bridge the gap to why strength and conditioning is important, you know. Yeah. Then that's kind of handy, like I said, on the on the youth hockey development side of it because it's, you do have to start taking it a little more seriously. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's, it's really fun to play hockey up until a certain level, and then you realize now I've got to put in the work if it's going to be my craft. Right, yeah. And, and here's another thing because it's almost one of those, like, while I have you here, and I definitely respect uh, – all your knowledge on, on, on skating in general. I, I always feel like um, coaches, and I know a lot of coaches, no, everybody knows that skating is good, and no, no coaches are ever going to tell you that it's not. But I feel like the ones that put maybe a little bit more value into it, it's almost more difficult because it's not something that most players actually want to practice. Like, they want the pucks, they want the, you know, have you, have you found it difficult? This is mostly with the youth. But have you have you found it to be more difficult to get them interested in learning to skate instead of, you know, necessarily them? Because th- there are some kids that get X amount of ice time, but they don't spend it skating or doing skating drills. Like they just want to, you know, take shots and try and, you know, snipe corners and all this. But do you ever find a, find it to be an issue to where you're having to make skating more fun? And if so, how did you do that? Because it's always one of those things I'm just, I'm trying to get kids to be more interested in the skating aspect of the sport. And uh, sometimes it's hard when they just want to do uh, Michigans all day. Yeah. <laughs> I know? totally hear you. Yeah. Like, well, right. I guess McDavid's made my job a lot easier. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kids, like, hey, it works. Yeah. It works, kids are now it? like, I want to skate like that. So yeah. where's my local skating gal, you know, a guy or a coach, period. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny how uh, that's changed things, especially on the pro side, even, you know, like... A lot of the things I work on mirror on both sides of it. The pro guys are working on the same thing sometimes as my youth hockey guys. And, and I'm explaining things exactly mm-hmm. the same way on both sides too. You know, like I'll have pro guys that want to be quicker, but sometimes they don't want to work on some of the smaller edge work right. details, you know. So if you're not stable on your on your balance points, yep. and I'm not even talking about sustained edges, like flowing edges. I'm just talking about if you can't pressure a certain part of your blade and find stability. Mm-hmm it's tough to really get that pop out of the ice. Right. And so if McDavid's working on getting faster every year and you see him doing all of the, you know, the extra work, like the work on the trampoline and mm-hmm. he's doing core work and he's doing work in the pool, especially some of the things they highlighted in that, that documentary of his, um, 
then, you know, it's tough to really correlate that into to speed, yeah. you know? And so, but to bring it back to that question of, is it easier now to get kids invested in their skating? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, McDavid probably put a huge spotlight on how yeah. beneficial good skating can be yeah. more so on the speed side of it, yeah. but then, uh, more so on the agility side of it too. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can teach things to a market that wants to be flashy in a yeah, way with yeah. something, you can say, Hey, that this is the end goal. Here's yeah. our progression. We're going to get there. Well, and I'm, and I'm a little biased here, but if you want to talk about like possibly the best, you know, offensive and, uh, you know, defensive person, you look at Kale McCarr. I mean, his edge work is unbelievable. I yeah. mean, he's doing things and making, you know, top, top tier guys, look stupid merely because of his skating ability yeah and, and it's one of those things to where it, it just sets him apart it creates him so much time and space so i think it's cool that kind of like two of the i guess you would call main leaders in the game are showing that like skating is super super important yeah you just you, you can't skip it it's just it's a we're, we're kind of past that point yeah oh and you know Thanks to modern technology, I can pull a clip off of, you know, many different websites now and put it on my iPad and have that out there in a lesson. So yeah. um, teams like the the Avalanche are certainly making skating pretty popular. You've got Samuel Gerard. Oh, like he's, yeah. yeah. Cal McCarr. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, you got Bob Byram, who's a very fluid skater yes, now. Yes, yeah. I love watching him skate. Those guys are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, even last night, just I was watching the ads play yeah. the wild, right? And you're watching McKinnon just yeah. every time put teams on their heels with this speed oh, yeah. and then he'll get down low into an area that's maybe level with the hash marks and then he'll just dump the brakes yeah you know and he just pulls the parachute leaves his guy behind next thing you know he's giving it to Macar. yeah and they're a nightmare to do it you <laughs> yeah. know like so, who am i chasing yeah because 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 with that it's almost like uh, playing those guys too closely is super dangerous yeah. so it's almost like you almost have to and i see this happen with uh, Macar and mckinnon both but it's one of those they they just try and play the odds and hope that they make a mistake. Yeah, it's almost like I'm gonna give you this time and space. Like they're gonna give it to him. Yeah, like, you know, and, unless they really try and like you know uh, crash the net or do something like th they're gonna give those better skaters the perimeter almost every time. Yeah, just with with how because as soon as they bite, now all of a sudden it's a weird little five on four odd man advantage, and then everybody's in trouble. So it's just. Uh, it's just one of those situations. Uh, but going back to Byram, though, because I always thought he was a really, really, really good skater. He's very good at, uh, and I don't know what you would call this, but you know where you really get your uh, legs far apart and your hips kind of uh, open in order to kind of protect the puck a little bit? Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what you would call that, but essentially it's it's blocking any sort of like stick check that could happen. Um, and you're usually, it's like your your toes are kind of pointed at each other, but you only have weight on like one of your feet, if that makes sense. Right. Um, just to kind of like uh, uh, defend the puck a little bit. But he's always been really good at that. Yeah. Um, I heard he had some concussion issues and that he, he's having uh, issues right now. But yep. I hope he comes back because he is so much fun. I, I love watching really, really good skaters. And yeah. I just, when you mentioned him, I was like, yes, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's funny actually. Uh, his agent lives locally. So oh, really? talk a lot about his... Uh, his skating and yeah. you know just how fluid he is out there and, and he's he falls a bit more into that category where he's fluid and puck moving yes uh, yep. obviously my is just like yes i mean uh, 
it's just so exciting because it could go anywhere. And, yeah, yeah. You know, his D partner when he was in college was Mario Ferraro, who's with the Sharks. Yeah. And so I know Mario a little bit from the years that I worked in San Jose. Yeah. And um, yeah, just like extremely fluid, creative, yeah. fearless defenseman. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing too is like with the way with the way and uh, Makar and uh, Makar specifically, the cool thing about him is that like he's very hard to read because of that he can go in either direction at any point. When he opens up his hips, it's like he has two toes pointed in opposite directions, and at any point, he's just waiting to see which way that the person that's defending him is going to bite, and then he just yeah. goes the opposite direction. Yeah, like, it's really fun to watch, and there's not a lot of people to do it, but. He just gets his <laughs> hips wide and points his gut. Because a lot of times, if you think about it, like people are watching like where your toes are pointed because that's usually where you're going to go. But right. if you have two feet that are pointed in opposite directions and at any point you go on either side, it's just, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. I'm not sure this is news to anybody. Uh, Makar <laughs> is good at skating and, and good at hockey here. But uh, um, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, but I do want to hit on some topics uh, before we get too much further into it. But um, I did want to get into kind of your transition into because uh, you've, you've talked about it a little bit, but we haven't really gotten into it. But when did you start working with uh, uh, professional hockey players and, and kind of down that path? And uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, your work with the Sharks and then uh, where you're at now. Yeah, that's true. They circle it back to when, us moving to the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 2004. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, then I was training here and competing for Team GB, and I would fly back for nationals once a year. And sometimes that would mean going to an international event. Some of the times it was just training here stateside and going to some of the bigger events that are held, usually in uh, either California, Detroit, obviously is a huge hub yep. for uh, big events, the Detroit Skating Club. Um, they do a great job hosting a big event where you can compete against a lot of different levels and most of the elite guys show up there. So I would spend my time training and competing here. Then I, I got up to the level where I was finally placing high enough at nationals to be in the mix for selections for big events, you know? Right. Um, and then right when I finally got up to that level, I did qualify for the world championships, which was back in 2012. Um, and then that following season, I got an injury. Mm -hmm. So right when I felt like I was progressing to the point where I might start doing more prestigious events, like a world championships, hopefully Europeans, obviously for a European yeah. skater. And then, um, the Olympics, I actually got injured before Sochi and I was somewhat in the running to go to Sochi because that was the first year they were going to have a team figure skating event. Right. So even though I may not have qualified on my own strengths, mm -hmm. um, I would have been part of the team event, which would have been cool. No, uh, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it would have been, it would have been <laughs> yeah. to go, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think maybe the only, you know, the only reason I look back on it like it isn't so devastating now is because I'm really fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so basically, to fast forward a little bit through that, I, I had a low back injury kind of damaged it, my perception. Was it, what, what, uh, sorry to interrupt, but what do you think caused it? Was it just uh, it was, one, one specific thing or just time uh, spent just landing? Yeah, I think it was just a lot of impact. Yeah. I was getting older. So like, and by older, I mean, I was 22. Right. Which, which, yeah. uh, even going back to then was old. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost like dinosaur. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. if you look at where, what the age of the guy is going to big events now, um, you know, Nathan Chen's pretty incredible and, and he's going to, you know, be incredible for a little bit here. And he's maybe on the older side, but I was, you know, getting up there. And I think it was just all the repetitive impact, you know. Right. And I got to the point where the skating was quite demanding. 
yeah. you know, I've skated my whole life and it's never really been tough on my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually had like other things looked at, like my knees, my knees are fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, knock on wood, but right. uh, my body just kind of broke down in that moment. And I think it was from working a lot of triple axle, yeah. I was starting to work on a few quads um, and then just taking those heavy impacts and yeah. training a lot more. So got that back injury and it, they kind of thought about fusing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really want to fuse it. Right. Um, one of my good, well, actually my best friend, Bill Littlefield, he, he was the one that was like, man, I don't know if you should fuse that. You know, right. like that yeah. seems like yeah. that might affect you down the road. But if you want to go to Olympic Games, it is what it is. And so kind of talking to my folks, talking to other close friends, people that are almost just slightly outside that interior bubble where yeah. they only want you to achieve what's most important. Um, just did PT. So... That starts getting me into how I was coaching skating. Right. I had some players at the time that I would coach just to help out with bills and, you know, costs of skating and training and travel. Um, and then I was coaching those kids like twice a week because mm-hmm. I wasn't training anymore. Right. So I would come in and, and those parents would say, can you work with, you know, Ben twice a week instead of once? So I had, you know, five kids that I worked with twice a week. Then I had more kids that I worked with and then they were playing good hockey and Probably the most interesting thing about that too was at that level, I was only teaching basic things, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. fundamentals of edge work and tight yeah. turns, but I didn't realize how much it affected their play. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I never went to watch their games or anything, but their parents would come to me and be like, Hey, I've got five or six other parents that want their kids to take yeah. these lessons because they want to be able to have, they, they want their child to play and skate like Ben now, you know? Right. So, yeah, huh? yeah. so I was like, Oh yeah, totally. So I had more lessons. I was starting to look into what I was going to do next in my life. And then quickly, I had so many skaters, uh, little yeah. players, that it was it was a business. Yeah, yeah. So things really took off from there because a, another really good friend of mine, Thomas Spear, who's now out in uh, in California, he's, he's working with the Calgary organization out there. He's their goalie coach and mm-hmm. goaltending scout. He got me involved with the Allen Americans. And so I worked with them the... 15-16 season which was the last season that they ended up still going to win the Cali Cup Yep. and at the time they were affiliated with San Jose so they win the Cali Cup and they started inviting some of the coaches up for development camp yep. you know they said we'd like to bring you guys up and be part of our annual development camp and you can kind of work with the players and um, I was kind of fortunate there because I, I don't think they had a skating coach at the time mm-hmm. whereas uh, Thomas knew that they had Yevgeny Nabokov and oh, yeah, a yeah, couple yeah, of other yeah. you know pretty yeah. prestigious goalie coaches so i we got invited up there and so it was a five-day interview pretty much where mm-hmm. i worked with team a and team b or group a and group b um, each day for 30 minutes each and that was kind of my five-day interview where i right. did you know put together what i would do and um, that led that basically forayed into me working for the sharks working for the barracuda mm-hmm. uh, who had just moved out to northern california at the time so I'd fly out there and do two days there and then come home and continue with my youth hockey business here. Yeah. Well, hey, so I got to ask you this question. Because um, here's the thing. is like, I feel like you can know a lot about what it is that you're trying to teach or whatever. But when you're trying to show up and be like, hey, professionals, like, trust me that I know what I'm talking about. How does that go? I mean, do they just trust that you know what you're talking about? I mean, obviously, if they see you do any of what I saw in your lesson there, they're like, oh, this guy's obviously an, uh, abo- a crazy above average skater and is crazy uh, good with his edge work or whatever. But I'm sure that there has to be some sort of like, okay, men, like this is what we're going to do. Like, how do you 
were you already good at that or how does that work you know what i'm saying yeah oh i often laugh at what i must look like out there right because i'm like five six right well yeah 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 and i'm uh, uh, yeah yes yes i yeah. can't like a force to be right, right, right by any means right, right if anything what might have helped me being the size i am is i'm just kind of like unassuming right yeah and so when when i get kind of thrust out there at development camp and there's all these kids that have just been drafted yeah. kids that have been flown in because they had an incredible year overseas and they've just been picked up by a club to get looked at at dev camp um they're just out there. Some of them, maybe even a third of them, are just like, I better do what this guy says. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, like, yeah. I can't just go out here think about that. not look good, even though I don't have no idea who You're this all guy in the same is. situation. <laughs> like, you're all just trying to do what you yeah. got to do. Exactly. Like, I know how to teach you guys how to skate. You guys know how to play hockey. Let's go. Like, yeah, like, I mean, they probably looked at me as like a seasoned coach that was mm -hmm. running the skating uh, segment, yeah. and really both of us were trying to earn jobs. Well, oh yeah, but but at the same time, I mean, they just have to watch you skate, and they're like, okay, I'll listen. Yeah. Like, you know, at the end yeah. of the day. That's the, so, you know. again, another part of being, you know, like I said, kind of unassuming or, or not being intimidating by yeah. any means, yeah. what's good about it is then they're willing to try it, and then they'll listen to me, and then I'll give them some things to try on this very next rep. Yeah. And what I like to think is that just through some of the experience I had coaching and then that one season before I even landed at development camp with the Allen Americans, it's very different when you teach a grown hockey player. Yeah. They've obviously had more hours yes. in the trenches than I have had. Right. And so I'm only trying to help them better their skating. On a specific skill set. Yes. Exactly. But I that's a skill set that you have practiced more than they have. Right. So exactly. it's like, you're not trying to teach them how to play hockey. No. You're trying to teach them when we're talking about the pros. Yeah. But it's like you're trying to teach them how to do something that you've spent more time doing. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I, I really want to come off from the viewpoint of I'm trying to help you get better. Right. That's all yeah. I ever want. And yeah. so when we're doing some of those skating drills, um, I think if you can portray that through some of your language and your tone, mm -hmm. the whole group's willing to try it because they you know, they're just understanding that I'm out there not to tell them they're bad at skating. I'm right. out there to offer a different perspective on skating and maybe a certain area of their skating yeah. that may lead to them being stronger skaters. And that's going to help their, you know, livelihood at the end of the day, you know, if we're still talking kind of on the pro side, that, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, working yeah. on something in the off season might turn into a good season the year following, and right. then that might turn into another contract with another team, you know? Yeah. So it, there's definitely benefits to listening and just like any kind of, 60 second sales pitch right like my elevator pitch when i'm just out there at dev camp and i've never met the guys before is just starting off with you know the edge progressions that i've done over the years you yeah. know warming them up letting them realize that this is a more stable fluid way to warm up you know right. and it's kind of like you know you wouldn't ever see a guy work out without a dynamic warm-up i think that all players should start off with some trustworthy edge work drills that get them acclimated to the ice, the right, ice yeah, conditions, uh -huh. yeah. you know, how your body feels that day. Yeah. So when we run through that and then they feel a little better, yeah. that's what, um, you know, hopefully means that they can kind of buy in and they feel more confident. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey, uh, so just for everybody listening, uh, we were in, um, let's see, we're in uh, a locker room. The uh, light just went off. But it's okay. I think that we're going to continue. Are, are you comfortable, Luke? Continue oh, yeah. That's no worries. I could even, I think it might be on a timer if you want. No, okay. but uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of nice. It's kinda yeah. Like, it's kind of, we've kind of entered into this other uh, other area here. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's just roll. Roll on. on. Hey, let's go. Let's know? go. But no, I, I, I always like to just give a little update into, uh, for the listeners here. But uh, hey, so I did want to get into, um, you know, obviously you're working with uh, um, the bar uh, Barracudas and, and the Sharks at this point. 
Um, but at what point, because um, I know you said that you're already working with the Allen Al- Americans, but at what point do you start working with, uh, we'll call them uh, the hometown boys, the, uh, the Dallas Stars? Uh, at what point do you kind of make that connection? And can you kind of walk me through that? Yeah, well, I was you know, very fortunate at the time because I had been, you know, at this point, completely immersed in hockey for about six, seven years, mm-hmm. going from the year after the injury in 2013 and like fast forwarding almost all the way up to very close to the pandemic, right? We're talking like uh, 2019, um, that off season before the 2019, 2020 season starts. And I got a call from um, one of the guys over in player development with the stars. And he said, we'd like to bring you in for an interview because we'd like for you to maybe work with uh, some of our players. So I said, yeah, absolutely. Let me touch base with uh, San Jose because that's my main contract. Yeah. And I'm yeah. kind of third party contracted. Right. Um, I had no kind of about it. You know, I am. It is mm-hmm. like my own business with Chilcot Skating Mechanics. So I called them and just said, you know, out of respect, uh, they've brought, wanted to bring me in for an interview. Do you mind? Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe Will, who is uh, the assistant general manager with the San Jose Sharks, said, well, we'd like to check on it. But he was, you know, very kind about discussing it with me yeah. and, um, and gave me the, the freedom to explore another contract if you will so Mm -hmm. he said if you want to go in and you know interview with them we're we're going to clear at our end go uh, go ahead and interview so i went and interviewed with uh rich peverly and jj mcqueen over there with the dallas stars who are in player personnel and player development yeah and after our interview went really well and they said you know like this could be really good for our prospects but uh to get things kind of rolling we'd like for you to skate with jamie bent so i said oh okay i i didn't know i was going from like interview yeah, yeah, play yeah. development to like yeah here's like our captain here's the captain, <laughs> yeah, the here's captain Stars, you know, <laughs> yeah. who's you know been incredible you know leads the group you know yeah he's like like uh, the yeah. heartbeat of the team yeah so i said oh okay and so they said do you want to get on the ice on mondays okay sounds good let's do a little session on monday so i went from that interview to skating with jamie and, and so secretly jamie had been looking into wanting to work on his skating technique mm-hmm and uh, it was something, you know, most players do look into it. Obviously, Brent Burns in San Jose is a, a name that's worked on it his entire life. So is Stamkos. So yeah. is that whole group that worked with Yari Bursky up in, up in Canada. So I go in on Monday and I'm, I'm skating around with uh, Jamie and we're working on just some like basic edge work, just kind of getting to know each other. And we got off from that session and I said, you know, I hope, hope that was what you were looking for there, Jamie. And sure enough, he said, like, let's do three times a week. So, you know, they, they had just gone out the cup to the St. Louis Blues that year. And so yeah. he wanted to get right back on the ice pretty early. But typical off-season work. You know, we weren't going to be working at full capacity. We were going to be working at, you know, 40 50% every session and working on some technique. And the great part about that was I worked with Jamie three times a week and got to know him quite well. But Jason Spezza was still here at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so there was a week where Jamie had to go out of town. And so Spezza asked me could you just come in on those same three days and just work with me instead? Yeah. So it was phenomenal really to go from working with, you know, San Jose full-time being involved with them in, in player scouting, player development, yeah. um, a lot of evaluations as well. Um, and then being able to get that mixed in with Dallas, you know, and, yeah. and have such a good reaction with them too. And, and then obviously working with somebody like Spezza, who is almost like, 
bigger than hockey in a way when it comes to coaching individuals yeah he's all about the individual work you yeah. can tell you who he's worked with in the past one of the most incredible things about spezza kind of going back to you saying how do you get people to buy in on wanting to work on their skating yeah he just was all ears right away yeah mm -hmm. i mean he would much rather sit back and listen to you train for three hours yep. then he would listen to you for like 10 seconds and then be dubious right he yeah. wanted he wanted you to give him everything and then he'd base an opinion right yeah um so what was great about that was maybe some of the vetted process had happened because i'm obviously i've already gone through an interview and jamie's yeah yeah, yeah and so yeah. He, you know he, he's probably figured this guy knows what he's talking about but he still wanted to work on all sorts and that that week that it was just him and i um it, it was actually ended up being his last week in dallas and so the the week kind of ended with him and I just chatting in the locker room and then me letting him have a moment on his own because uh, it was just him and I in the building. And yeah. so he pulled his nameplate out of his stall and packed up his gear. Man. So it was kind of like a crazy moment. Kind Man. of be goosebumps even now, but just thinking about talking to a guy as experienced as him yeah. and being able to like build confidence in your coaching because he wanted to work on all the things you were telling him to work on. Yeah. You know, and so uh, that was nice because it felt like if I wasn't on target, he probably would have told me to stop what I was talking about, right? And yeah. that would have been it. Well, but the other the other thing too, and I feel like um, when you reach kind of like like where you're at now, just I'll use you for an example. Like, yes, you have to know what you're talking about and you have to be good at what you do, but you also have to be easy and fun to get along with at times. And I can most likely promise you that although, you know, Jamie Ben knew that you were a good skater, Part of that probably had to do with just like him enjoying the way that you taught him, you know, how to do what he needed to do. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Because, because just, I, I feel like with coaching, whether or not it's a lessons or you're coaching a team, it's not just what you know. That's a huge, huge, huge part of it. A uh, large percentage of it should be about what you know, but there's just that other little spot or that other little thing that you also have to be able just to relate to people and especially relating to people that I'm assuming that, you know, you had never had a private lesson like the captain of the Dallas Stars before, you know? Oh, it's, exactly. And it's a situation where he enjoyed what he was learning, but then he probably enjoyed just the the fact of, of you being who you were. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail right on the head. And, and there was an article that came out at the end of that summer, you know, once all the main writers started to come to town and talk about the off seasons of all the players and who made changes. Yeah. Obviously that was a big discussion with Jamie that he worked on his skating that off season. And, and he even said in one of the articles, and I can't remember the quote exactly, but he basically said, you know, where Luke kind of shines is he's able to relate to all the different personalities mm -hmm. that are in the group at the time. And I was like completely blown away by that because at no point, was I trying to do that through that yeah. summer? Mm -hmm. I was just trying to do my best job as a skating coach, you know? And so yeah. um, maybe that makes me seem a bit more genuine, you know, like that no, I wasn't yeah. trying to be that personality. But when he said that, it, was, it made me realize that there is a, a, a huge emphasis on just approaching people correctly and yeah. in the right way and, and maybe not forcing it either. Yeah. Um, and some of that comes through just doing what you do. If you get out yeah. there and you're coaching and you're comfortable coaching, then you're probably going to come yeah. off as uh, as genuine as possible, yeah. you know. Well, and and I I and I I would like to uh, I'd like to think that we're both pretty uh, still young uh, as far as life is concerned. But mm -hmm. I also I think it's one of those things where when you see somebody that's been in this uh, industry, whether it's you know hockey or coaching, playing whatever it is, 
a lot of times what you'll find is like a genuine person at the end of it. Because if you're trying to be a certain way, it's just way too much work. And I don't feel like it's a, like a sustainable thing. Like if you're a genuinely, you know, a good communicator and care about people and want them to get better, like that comes through. But you also don't have to try as hard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know if I've ever... I listen, I've listened to a lot of great coaches growing up, you know, just from being in the sport. You know, you'd go to national camp after national camp. Both my parents are really, uh, you know, super polite people. You know, I've been around them my whole life and, you know, yep. experienced training and them having to deal with me when I've been angry from training, you know, like maybe the day didn't go as well as I would have liked. and yep. I've been frustrated and, you know, they've always been uh, calm and, and, and encouraging about the whole process. So, you know, I think that's where if I see a player that's having a hard time getting something on the ice, I'm probably a little more empathetic in that sense because I get that from my folks. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. And so it's tough to really recreate that. You know, you can't manufacture it. You got to have it just develop organically. Yep. And I think the other thing I like about coaching, too, is, is exactly that. You know, you're just you're just out there to help someone no matter what the level or who it was. You know, in the beginning, it was only about helping house league players to turn better yeah <laughs> and then they started to have more success right so now now my problems are more so you know how do you defend cow and macaw right yeah how yeah, yeah. A defenseman yeah. to like yeah. simplify their footwork so yeah. yeah at the end of the day you approach the problem the same way yeah you know yeah. And so when i was out there that summer with jamie and his brother geordie um there was a few other players that were still in town like i mentioned jason spezza steph nason who lives locally yeah um all those guys, you know, you just, you have to communicate them with them differently, but it's always coming from the point of how can I change my tone so that it feels like I'm helping you yeah. and I'm not just telling you that this is what I do when I teach skating and this is why you don't get it. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what a beating, yeah, you know, like, yeah. oh, get this guy out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it, it, be a real nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that would have been a quick, like, nope, like we'll, fi we'll figure out a different way to, to go about this. But yeah, I, I, I just think when you look at, um, cause I feel like I've had some really good coaches on the, uh, on the podcast and just the, the one thing is that they're just genuine people. And that, that, that I feel like people kind of have a natural sense for like, is this person being genuine with me? And I feel like, you know, like I said, you can know a whole lot, you know, and you, there's a lot that you can teach somebody, but unless you kind of do it in a genuine way, like people are not going to have time for that because they don't want to put, they don't want to put the energy into trying to figure you out. They just want to trust you. Yeah. And I feel like if you're genuine, then that's usually the best way to go about it. Very true. Yeah. You can't. You know, especially with the top guys in the game. Yeah, uh, you're not. You're you, not. You can't it. fake it yeah. till you make it. There. You, you <laughs> yeah. know, if anything, the only thing you're faking is like how confident you probably sound. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I'm telling you all the hard work and research that's gone into all of these things I'm teaching. Yeah. And that's what's helping me get through this. Yeah. But I'm trying to deliver it in a way where uh, yeah. I'm confident in what I'm saying and I'm trying to help you get there with me. You know, I'm yeah. not just telling yeah. you this is what I've learned and this is why you're not where you should be do you, do you ever kind of and this might be the last question but do you ever do you kind of ever look back on where you started and where you are now i kind of have this thing to where i'm like you know because obviously i'm not coaching you know jamie banner i'm not you know but i still i'm like hey like where, where, where did this all start yeah yeah and for me it you know it all started in tulsa oklahoma i was doing learn to play hockey it was saturday mornings kids that had just barely they just graduated from learn to skate. If they decided after learn to skate that they wanted to try and play hockey, that's when I got them. But it was just something that I naturally did for fun. Like I didn't make any money doing it. I just volunteered my time and I 
I was kind of known for doing it. So I did it for, I don't know, I feel like maybe two years. Like, But it became a thing to where people just started to trust me to at least get their kids confident enough to like start the sport or start the game. And I think that um, just looking at where I am now, sometimes I forget how important you know, the people at the very beginning kind of are and that at one point I was that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. Just, but but it's like now you're coaching, you know, it, you know, uh, professional hockey players or whatever. But if you think about just your natural beginnings coaching there, you're the same person. You're still the same gen- genuine person. You've just learned how to do it. I don't know, with professionals. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, probably the the most proud I am about any of the work that I've done is some of the younger players that got on the ice with me for the first time Mm -hmm. so you know that i've had i've I've got a couple of players that i was their first introduction to the ice yeah they literally came with some friends you know and then got on the ice having never skated before went from skating with me in a little lesson to learn to skate to then taking private lessons to uh to now you know some of them have even gone on to play prep school hockey yep and it is kind of crazy because this last summer was the first summer where a lot of these youth hockey players that lived in dallas came back to dallas and then wanted to train with me twice a week because yeah they were only going to be home for the summer and you're like it's kind of like you got to step back almost like zoom out from the yeah hustle like- and bustle of constantly scheduling lessons and training players and learning to realize yeah. You know, these guys have gotten to a really high level oh, in yeah. their career. You know, it's not it's not every day you meet somebody that's now playing out of state yeah. for a prep school, you know, for somewhere like Shattuck yeah. St. Mary, which is where, you know, Chase Lapina, who's a youth hockey player from here, and, yeah. and uh, Northfield Mount Hermon, one of my, that's Cade DeWolf, who's one of my first students ever, you know, yeah. like I helped him on the ice. So it is cool to kind of zoom out, see that at the end of the day, what you love to do is coach kids yeah. and you've helped them get so far in the sport they ended up choosing as their one passion oh yeah yeah but i think that comes from like natural enthusiasm about how you feel about it because it's almost one of those like if i can get you to just enjoy it and want to come back i promise it'll make your life better like it's one of those like if you if you oh yeah it's almost like you're selling something it's just like oh that you're gonna like you just stick around long enough but sometimes it's at, at the very beginning anyway when you're doing the learn to play or learn to skate Sometimes that can be difficult because you're just like, okay, just, you know, sometimes you feel like they're about to quit because, you know, they can't stand up for long enough or this and that. But then you get them and all of a sudden it's a few years later, they're playing travel hockey. They know all the stuff and then they, you know, they still think you're cool or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, like I was wished I was with you and like we weren't even sure if you were going to continue to skate. You didn't know how to do anything. And then you see them later and they're all confident and cocky. And you're like, I remember when you were a kid and you weren't. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> Which, you know, it's funny because if, if things continue to go the way they're going, it, it's funny that it's happening on both sides because the, those same players now that have are uh, playing out of state for these prep schools, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm going home and I'm going to take from my skating coach. Yep. Which, if you rewind enough five, six years, they weren't playing AAA hockey, and I was still coaching house league players. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's so yeah. bizarre. You're that moving together. Saying, you know, now I'm playing tier one hockey, maybe out of out of state. You yeah. know, for a, a really big name in in the prep school hockey world, and then they're coming back to see the San yeah. Jose Sharks, right, uh, yeah. skating guy. Right. So that it's kind of a funny moment. It won't happen again, obviously, because I either you know continue 
yeah. improving and climbing or I'm, you know, wherever I was or that's my resume as it is. Yeah. But it, it's still kind of funny that they're, they're looking at it like, yeah, look at where, we, where we've both ended up in yeah, this, yeah. this period, same period of time. Man, but that, that's just like, that's all good things. And that's just things working together and, and moving yeah. forward and all good things. But, uh, Luke, this has been, uh, I think one of my favorite episodes, but we're getting close to, uh, the end here. Yeah. And, um, so there, there is one thing that we have to do before we end this. Uh, it's called the shout out. Okay. The shout out has some rules. Uh, there is no structure to any of this podcast until this point. Uh, but the shout out has to be anything audible. Uh, usually people, uh, shout out like, um, their friends, their family. Uh, they might have like a coaching mantra that's positive. Um, the idea is that it's just a positive, uh, thing. So you're just pretty much uh, saying something positive or giving positive shout outs to friends and family. Um, so yeah, the, it, it's a very broad, it just has to be positive. Anything that's audible, vocal, positive. Yeah. That's a shout out. Absolutely. Well, I, I've got to shout out my, my parents, you know, they there you go. helped me out, get to this point and hours in the rink, flying <laughs> me to events. So, I mean, I'm just now getting to that point in my adult life where I'm realizing, you know, I don't have children yet, but, uh, if I have children at some point and, and that takes up that much of my life, oh, I realize yeah. how big of a sacrifice all that was. And yeah. I'm leaning into how big of a sacrifice that was right now without even, you know, yeah. experiencing it myself. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think what I tell my players and I've, I've really tried to drive this into them since I've gotten a little more acclaim or, or I've worked with higher profile clients and, and different NHL teams is that, you know, you can, uh, you can't learn everything from someone, but you can learn something from everyone. Yeah. You know, so uh, I don't ever want my players from here to go out to a, another camp or uh, development camp or prep school and, and take from their skating person and then decide this person isn't Luke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I love that they have that sort of trust and faith in my coaching, but I hate the fact that sometimes it's easy to say, I'm not going to listen to anyone else because this is how my personal coach does it right and, and yeah. i have all my faith in them and that's it you know right. and i've dealt with it on both sides i've dealt with it with pro guys that are really closed off they only want to listen to their own team that they've kind of carefully pieced together back in their hometown yep. and uh, and then on the flip side like the story i told about spezza you know you, you should just be out there listening to everyone because you know you can always glean something in there and then it will make you you might find that one you know corner piece of the puzzle and now you've got the whole picture yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, like you're not gonna you're not gonna get any worse running drill. I mean, unless the drill is absolute garbage, you're not gonna get any worse. At least uh, be open to it, take what you can out of it, and then move on. Because you can almost take something out of almost anything. At least within hockey, I feel like. No, couldn't be true. A yeah. good season, a bad season, a bad game, a good game. Uh, there's always if if you don't take something, at least something out of a bad game that you play, then you should. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's absolutely. Just, there's something to be there's something to be taken out of that, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, I'm going to do my shout-out. Are you done with your shout-out? Absolutely. That's that you can fire away now. Okay. Uh, so my shout-out, um, so here's the rules for mine, though, Luke. As mine doesn't have to be positive. Um, but for this one, uh, for this one, it is going to be positive. Uh, for this one here, uh, just recently, and I didn't even know this was the thing, and I feel terrible, um, but it was uh, National Hockey Moms Day. Um, so I think that my shout-out uh, is going to be for the hockey moms. Uh, Luke, I know that, uh, you said that, uh, your mom was in the shout out. And I think that there's the one, I feel like the one constant within the hockey community and hockey world is that the hockey moms are held in 
uh, high regard. There is a, there's just something to that. And I will extend this into skating moms because I know that uh, uh, figure, figure skating moms have a, they have the uh, similar travels and similar expenses and, and all these things. So we'll open it up to that too. But uh, my shout out uh, are for the moms um, because I know a lot of them and a lot of them are really great, and um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out the moms. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Yeah, the moms that are, are even dropping hockey kids off at hockey, and then jetting out ahead to go drop another child off at soccer, swimming, tennis. Yeah, yeah I, I just, to be honest with you, I have a hard time getting myself. I have a hard time. I'm like, I couldn't imagine if you gave me another one of me, I wouldn't know what to do. You know, no. I, uh, but they like, they just, they always find a way to do it. And, um, I don't know. There's just, uh, there's something about the hockey moms, but I feel like, uh, they're to be respected and they're to be cared for. And, uh, so my shout out is for, uh, hockey moms everywhere, uh, everywhere. Um, anyway, uh, Luke, uh, did we cover everything that we needed to? I really appreciate you. Uh, allowing me to come up to your uh, home rink. We can call this your home rink, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're at, yeah. the, we're at the McKinney Star Center. Uh, yeah. You allowed me to come here. Um, but Thanks I, uh, for making the trip out. I know, like you said, it was tough to schedule it because we're both so busy, no. but, but it's a drive, and so I appreciate you coming out, and it's been great. Oh, well, no. I, yeah. uh, it, it, this is a thing a thing I'm committed to doing, uh, driving all uh, over the Dallas-Fort Worth area to try and uh, meet up with all these awesome people, but this is selfishly also for me. I like getting to meet these people, and... Um, I always just find it like a challenge to where people that know me pretty well are like, you should talk to this guy. And I'm like, who's that guy? And then uh, I get to meet that guy. And I'm like, yeah, that guy was a good guy to meet. Um, but Luke, you're one of those guys. A lot of people Jeez. told me I should meet you. And uh, it's been fun. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and do the Matt Taylor list. And this is the list of things that you need to do. Uh, you need to check us out on uh, faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. That's faceoffspot podcast.com you can check us out on itunes on spotify um you can check us out on instagram and on facebook um all right well um luke once again thank you so much yeah, for thanks. allowing me to come up here and uh continue to check us out every thursdays because we have episodes every thursday all right later guys